Of course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one. So, you know, it's with that time, George. Welcome to fourth and one. I'm Todd Palmer, joined by Nick Jacobs, and uh, we are uh, now uh, a few days into the official free agency uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs uh, and the rest of the NFL. And uh, would you characterize it as a patient start by the Chiefs, or or um, or a slow start? Because um, one one kind of implies that they're deliberate and trying to trying to test the market the other implies that um you know things have not gone their way so so what how how are you feeling about the the opening salvos and free agency so far todd it's good to see you i'm coming live from a wendy's parking lot near you in the (laughs) northland so it is a pleasure right now so just to tell you how i'm feeling about things um look i mean i you know i i I don't know if it's gone according to plan like they wanted. Maybe it has, and maybe this is a plan for them all along. I'd heard a couple different things than that, but you know, it hasn't, uh, some of it, you know, was, you know, maybe people that I thought fit for them that helped them with the enhance the roster to take away some of the deficiencies of last year that kept them from winning the Super Bowl. But it may be where they, from a strategy perspective, where they're going to spend, uh, reasonable amounts at positions or what they feel is reasonable amounts for players at certain positions. And they may invest a lot in, uh, in draft at this point, if that ends up being the case, but the reality of it is if they do end up going the draft road, they're going to, the margin for error is almost non-existent with what teams have done and with the pressure that they're going to have, like they, they're going to have to hit on their first four picks at minimum and maybe a little bit more to be able to get to where, to get back to the expectations of where people are um, wanting them to go and the, what they've set them up to expect them to go to. Yeah. I mean, look, they, they signed Justin Reed, right? Three year, $31.5 million deal. Um, I like that signing. Um, You know, they're not breaking the bank. Um, He a little bit different player than, than Tyron Matthew. Uh, a little more rangy, but he still brings a physicality to the game. I still think he can um, be versatile. Maybe not in all the ways Tyron Matthew could be in Spagnuolo's system, but um, would, you know, what, let's start there because that's the centerpiece so far of what they've done uh, other than franchise tag and Orlando Brown. So what do you make of the, the Justin Reed signing? I, I think it was what I call a maintainer. Um, and that may be made up word. I don't know, but I just made it for you. So there you go. It's, it's pretty made up. Yeah. Thank you. Strategery. <laughs> um, anyways, um, no, I mean, look, I, he's going to maintain what, what Tyron Matthew gave on that back end to a certain extent. We'll see from a cerebral perspective, if he can see things the same way and anticipate the same way on routes that Tyron Matthew was able to do. Um, he's a physical presence. He, he hits hard. He closes quickly at 10 yards, especially in a straight line, but he has the ability to change directions and really close downhill. Very, very physical guy in run support. And he brings a presence there. And he, he, you know, that he was around the way that he hits. So he doesn't, he doesn't play around in that regard. And look, he's got, like I said, he's got, he's got good acceleration, good straight line speed, and he's an athlete overall. So when that move happened, like that kind of took a little bit of the pressure away, and free agency, we are like, okay, they were at least able to maintain in that spot. We'll see what they can do and some of the other holes that we all kind of perceive per se. And if they can get some of those things fixed and either the secondary or the pass rush or receiver and kind of go from there. But I think what fans had in their minds hasn't come to fruition. And and like I've said on, uh, on one of the little Twitter spaces that I did is – each one of us individually that's, that's listening to this podcast or talking on this podcast right now, we all mentally have in our minds what we thought they should have, what they thought, what we thought they should have do should do to get better. Like there's certain players that you like and that I like, and this same thing happens in the draft, and we get and we may get bummed if they don't take them. And you know, then you're like, oh, that wasn't a good draft because they didn't take the five guys that I liked. They didn't do this or they didn't do that. And it, you know, sometimes it ends up working out, sometimes it doesn't. But it's the reality of it is though, is like they've had meetings. They've all talked everything over. They've 
stack their board about how they feel free agencies are and they put values on they're willing to go to this amount to pay this for this player and for that player. And that's kind of what they've done, you know, and they've been planning this out. It's just, we aren't privy to that plan. So I think that kind of the, you know, not being able to be transparent in that regard and they're not able to, cause you know, the other teams find out then they'll <laughs> undercut them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think that's kind of where the, where it kind of comes from to where you have some of the uh, concern that fans have overall and that probably some media members may have as well. Yeah. And I think it, I think it's important to understand that, that you do have the draft ahead and um, you know, it's still early in free agency, but I mean, the, the pickings are getting slim, right? Um, you know, I mean, outside of the Justin Reed signing and tagging, isn't that, Orlando, isn't that a restaurant here in town? Slim pickings, not slim chickens. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah. Similar that. though. Similar. I've always got uh, food on my mind. My wife loves the, the, you know, my wife does love her, the, the slim chickens. That um, would be but, fun if they had a place called slim pickings. Yeah. I have the number three combo, the pass rusher. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And then, yeah. And then you get like a, a half filled paper sack of soggy fries. <laughs> well, then uh, that clearly somebody didn't get me the number three. Combo. Well, it, and it they, would, uh, no, they did, but you were at slim pickings. So you got, you got the slim pickings. Um, <laughs> We should turn that into a restaurant. Right? <laughs> no, do it. It's like the most. Come on down to Slim Pickens. <laughs> yeah, like, want to be disappointed? <laughs> have we got a deal for you? We don't even know our inventory, but you know, may have some fries, may have some crispy corn tater tots, may have nothing. It'll be like it'll be like the worst weekend in Vegas where you're gambling every time you pull up to the drive-through. <laughs> but look, some people like that, you know. I mean, there's degenerates out there. Maybe you're one of them listening, and that's okay. Degenerates are people too, Nick. And they still got to eat. So thanks, Todd. Thanks for letting me know all that. Appreciate that. All right. So but uh, we welcome uh, everybody on fourth and one. That's Thank right. You. Yeah. We yeah, we don't discriminate here. Uh, so Reed, Orlando Brown, those are the the big off season moves so far. Everything else, like they've agreed to terms with Chad Henney and Michael Burton. Fine. Um, they brought back Andrew Wiley. That's not one that I thought um they were gonna be able to do, but I like having you know having Andrew Wiley around for depth um is not a bad thing I don't think and you know it was 2.5 million I'm, I'm fine with that <clears throat> they also tendered their exclusive rights free agents Jody Fortson Derek Gore DeAndre Baker okay nothing there really moves the needle the only other thing they've done that was that was kind of interesting was the the Frank Clark restructure yeah I, I get what they did there because I think they I think they probably had a good vibe for what was going to happen out there edge rusher wise and what the cost was going to be for a lot of those guys. And it probably wasn't going to be as realistic as what they were hoping for. And given the age of those players, they got the money that they did for being around uh, for being around 30 or above 30. Um, you know, cause Randy Gregory, if I remember correctly, he's around 29 and you know, I mean, I like the contract that he got and I wouldn't have been against that contract with him. It's just a question of, you know, if he's going to be able to be around for three to four years of that contract or not and be able to perform at that level. So that's going to be kind of a little bit of a question mark where you're not sure on. Um, and then yeah, he, he got you know. five years, 70 million from, from the Broncos um, after agreeing to the same terms with, with Dallas and then uh, having some issue with some language in the contract and backing out. Yeah, and I don't think it hurts that his agent, if I remember correctly, also resides in the Colorado area. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, you know, it it is what it is on that one. I, I know the well, Cowboys so, so, probably weren't too thrilled. Yeah. So it, back to Frank Clark, though, he was his salary cap hit was slated to be twenty six point three million, and you knew that they weren't going to have they weren't going to let Clark carry. They Clark wasn't going to be on the roster carrying that cap hit into the season. Um, but if they if they cut him outright, it, they would have saved thirteen point six million against the cap, or they, um, or they would have saved twelve million against the cap, but they would have had thirteen point six million in dead money. With the restructure, it's basically a two year, you know, twenty nine million dollar uh, contract with some incentives. So essentially, for this year, because they would have had to pay thirteen point six million if they cut him. They're keeping Frank Clark around for 1.4 million. So I, I, I think the chief's thinking was if we cut him, we just lose that 13.6 million. We're not going to be able to re-sign anybody 
um, for 1.4 million that can provide what Frank Clark provides. And, and grant, granted, it's diminished, but that's the reality. I mean, they weren't going to be able to. They're out that 13.6 million no matter what, um, and they essentially kept Frank Clark around for 1.4 million this year, um, and that leaves you know that that prevents them from having to re-sign, uh, you know, to go add a, another edge rusher, right? Because I mean the assumption is they were going to need to add two or three guys one way or another. Um, you know, now they've only got to add one or two, um, to feel comfortable with having that rotation. And look, Frank Clark is not what people hoped he would be. His sacks have gone down from, I think eight to six to four and a half. Um, he still sets a decent edge. Um, but look, I mean, he, he doesn't have, he doesn't seem to have a whole lot in the tank as a pass rusher. Obviously he's, he's been injured. Um, you know, but I mean, you're, you're not going to be able to find a, a player that, that, that brings what Frank Clark does to the table for 1.4 million. So I get why they did it. Um, you know, it's, I guess the way to phrase it would be, I, I guess it's kind of a bummer. They had, they were in that position, right? I mean, they, they made the choice last year when they, if I remember correctly, I think they moved some money around last year. And so this kind of, you know, added on to that regard to where they had to make this decision um, and essentially keep him so that they had a, you know, a pass rusher, uh, an additional pass rusher. Now where we'll see come, come the fall is if he's one of the starting in still, or is he the number would be a bad situation? <laughs> Anything's possible right now. Um, if he's the number four, pass rusher that can kind of work in and rotate and be in for 20, 25 snaps and something of that nature, but they have younger, fresher guys in front of them that are uh, more effective pass rushers and can take the wear and tear, or if he's going to be the guy out there doing that and kind of, you know, just being on the field in some regard, because there was a lot of the times where, I mean, he was on the field, but he wasn't, a, wasn't effective and the effectiveness is diminished over time from, you know, when, when the cliff was from 2019 and when he's dropped since then, you saw a couple inklings in a couple of games where he kind of looked like his old self from Seattle, um, but it didn't work out. And one of the lessons I've learned from uh, the Seattle Seahawks is when they have a player and uh, they start to see that they're physically declining, that's when they're magically willing to move on from that player. So that they, they got got with the Frank Clark deal. It helped them win a Super Bowl. They were able to get that done. But the rest of what they paid for that um, hasn't worked out, and I, I personally, you know, I've, I don't know if it's going to work out for them and and be an impact for them in twenty twenty two. No, but again, for one point four million, I don't think you were going to sign anybody who was going to bring any any more to the table than than what Frank Clark was going to do. Um, so. Yeah, it is what it is in that situation. I mean, it gave him $11 million to play with, helped him get under the cap uh, for the start of the new league year, um, you know, avoid having to cut anybody else to, to get to that number. Um, but look, I mean, the Chiefs have already lost some players. Traverius Ward signed, a, uh, I mean, just an incredible deal for him. I mean, congratulations to him, $13.5 million a year, you know, three-year $40.5 million deal with the 49ers. Um I think that's more than, than uh, I would have paid for him with the chiefs. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I think you got to let him go in that situation. Byron Pringle signs a one year, $6 million deal with the bears. I mean, again, is he worth 6 million? I mean, I think you can find another Byron Pringle um, yes. out there. So, I mean, I, I, you know, again, I think that's probably a little bit of an overpay Austin Blythe. I mean, Creed Humphrey made his, his existence on the chiefs roster superfluous last year um, because of his, you know, rapid ascension to be one of the best centers in, in the league. So, um, you know, I mean that, you know, I hope just wish Austin the best and hope that he can, you know, uh, find some time there in Seattle. Um, and ultimately maybe it helps the chiefs get a comp pick next year, you know, um, something like that. But um I think the the Justin Reed signing fairly clearly signals the end of the Tyron Matthew era too. Do you see any scenario where they bring him back? I mean, because at this point he hasn't signed a long term deal. You know, the Ravens, who a lot of a lot of speculation was that that might be a landing spot for him. They they went with Marcus Williams, the uh, rangy safety from the Saints instead. 
Um, you know, Matthew's still looking for a home. Um, and I mean, he may end up having to take a, a, a prove it deal, you know, like he did with Houston a couple years ago. Uh, he may have to go that route again at this point. Um, you know, who knows, maybe somebody will step up and offer him a, a longer term deal, but I would be hesitant to bring him back on a prove it deal when you, you know, gave a bag to, uh, to Justin Reed. I, you know, I, I'm not sure how, I'm not sure that that makes sense for the, for the chiefs. I mean, is there any scenario you think that Matthew comes back or you, you, you think that that, that signing may, means his time in Kansas city is definitely done. Yeah, no, I, I thought that ship was going to sail and it, it sailed. It's, yeah. uh, it's down the stream. It's not there. <laughs> so, um, I mean, look, it's, it's, you know, it's unfortunate that that time came and that's ended up happening in that way, but I think they're both gonna think he's going to need to change the scenery. And I think he's going to have to go establish himself and another organization, another franchise and kind of, prove himself all over again, just like every player has to do when they go to a new spot. So that's, that's where I think that road's headed for him. And I think Reed's going to be the potentially be the new voice and new presence in that secondary room, depending on who they end up getting and are adding and kind of try to establish himself in that way and kind of be that next year and that next wave in the secondary. And so if, if, if the name sounds familiar, it's because his brother, Eric Reed actually played with Tyron Matthew at LSU and, and Eric Reed was an NFL safety uh, for, for a long time with uh, I believe San Francisco and Carolina, been out of the league a couple of years now, but Justin is his younger brother who played at Stanford and then, you know, had been with the Texans the last four years. Um, and also played with Matthew. Yeah. When he, that year he was with the Texans. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so they, you know, they, they both spent time um, with Tyrone Matthew Um you know, and, and look, I mean, like I said, I, I think he's a little bit different, but, uh, you know, I mean, I think um, the range that he and Juan Thornhill potentially could provide together, or maybe they go a different way in the draft, who knows, um, uh, you know, it, you know, draft a guy to come in. But I, I think it, uh, it'll it be interesting to see how they use uh, those guys, um, you know, but I, I think the first impressions with Justin Reed are largely positive, right? And I know you got an opportunity to talk to him one-on-one. Um, and so uh, why don't we go ahead and, and, and play that, that sound and let's hear from Justin Reed about coming to Kansas city and why he's excited for this opportunity. All right, guys, thanks for listening to for the one podcast. We're now joined by Justin Reed. Uh, Justin, my first question for you, what was it that appealed to you about Kansas city in this defense? Or I love that. So, I've heard a lot about Spags defense before. I love that it's so dynamic. I love that you know, I mean, not only we play the too high system, but really try and take away the pass, and we have the pass rushes up front to get to the quarterback and speed them up to create opportunities for us on the back end to get, make plays and make interceptions. We'll also switch it up and blitz, too. Um, like I said, I love that. You know, it's multifaceted. You get to play a lot of different roles. You'll never get bored playing in it. Um, and then also I love that. No, there's just a you have a real chance here to go and win a championship. And that's what any true competitor really wants is to go and be the best of the best and etch your name in history and never have that taken away from you. And, and we have an opportunity to do that here. And what what did it mean to you when you got that call and you're this is where you're going and they invested this in you? What it, what was that moment like for you? Yeah, man. It's you know, it's a surreal moment, you know, when you first get the call, it doesn't quite hit you, at least for me, it didn't quite hit me till the next day. Got the call, thought about it. I was like, man, that's really cool, like Kansas City. But then I woke up the next morning and it really started to set in. And it was like, dang, man, I'm going to be a chief, man. It's going to be it's gonna be so fun for me. I've, I've had a couple of teammates actually come and play through here before, and all of them had good experiences. Um, have told me that this is a place you would love to raise a family at. You will never run out of good food places to go eat at. And just the culture and camaraderie that you have in the team, how close, how close-knit guys are, is really, really very special. Um, I'm curious for you, what was it that made you love football and got you to where you're playing at this level now? Yeah. Um, so I actually, when I was growing up as a kid, I was playing, I played soccer most of my life. And then I played a little bit of football in middle school, really dove into it and it being my main sport around high school. I love the, um, I just love like the, I don't, I don't even like, like the, 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 the battle of wills. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to compete against this guy. He's going to put everything that he has on the table. I'm going to put everything that I have on the table, and we're going to see what comes out, you know what I mean, on top. I love how honest the game of football is. Um, 
whenever, no matter who you are, where you come from, color your skin, background, doesn't matter whenever you step on the field. Whenever you step on the field, the best team will win. The best group of guys that play together have the chemistry and have the will and want to to be a great team. Those are the guys that are going to win. So that's when I really fell in love with football. And uh, every, every player has it. Um, for you, who was that football coach that you really connected with and kind of really inspired you, whether it was in high school, college, or wherever, that kind of that, – yeah. that's the definition of a coach in your head to you. Yeah. So it was Coach Kena, Dwayne Kena. He was at Texas for a long time. He came to Stanford the year before I got there. Long resume of guys, Earl Thomas, Michael Huff, Sage Griffin. Um, I went, actually went out to Stanford for two reasons. One was that Coach Aquino was there, and I resonated with him. I knew a lot about him already. And then two, um, my brother was playing for San Francisco at the time. So he was teaching me about the NFL while I was still in college. But Coach Aquino is a former quarterback. He, te- he taught the game from a quarterback's perspective on what offenses tried to do. Um, and we're going to play this defense for this reason. You know what I mean? He really explained the whys, you know, and that's what I love so much about it. It wasn't just like do this coverage or stand here, just, you know, just go do it. He explained why. Whenever you understand the whys, you're able to buy into it and you're able to make more plays and be more confident in your play style. So it's one of my favorite coaches I've ever had um, changed my game. And, and for you, kind of what's personally for you, what's been your favorite football memory so far that like the moment in time that like you're like, wow. Yeah. Um, the one that comes to mind right now is the first game of the season. I think it was 2019 when we're playing Jacksonville Jaguars, divisional opponent, Leonard Fournette was still playing for them. They scored on us with three seconds left on the game. Um, they ended up running for going for two to win the game instead of tying it. They went for two to win the game. And we called a zero blitz where I was responsible for Leonard. Everybody hit their gap and ended up being me and Leonard on the goal line. And I was able to hold my ground, stop him short of the uh, short of the two point conversion, and we went on to win that game. So that one, and my first pick six in the league, where I went 101 yards um, against uh, Alex Smith and the Washington Redskins at the time, are two of my favorite memories. Um, if there was a game I was going to go back and look at that kind of showcased completely who you were, what game would you recommend for me from this past season? In, in general, yeah. Yeah, I'll pull up the San Francisco game. And then for uh, my final question for you, away from the football field and training, what, what do you like to do with your free time? Kind of what, what kind of helps you unwind and kind of just enjoy life in general? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, going back on that last question, the Cleveland game, the Cleveland game. Um, what you call it? Man, I got a ton of hobbies. I got all type of hobbies. Like I really can't sit still whenever I'm at home. So when I have free time, I usually end up picking up something random to do. So I play piano for a little bit. I like to play golf. Um, I even go bowling a couple of times. So anything that kind of is active and keeps moving around, um, I'm usually game for it. And what's probably the first thing everybody's recommended for you to do here in Kansas City once you arrived here? Um, I've heard of at least four or five barbecue spots already. Um, I've heard that there's two really good golf courses. I think some of them are on the um, Kansas side. Um, that I've heard about. All right. So that's, that's Justin Reed. I mean, what stands out to you about, um, you know, uh, his interview and his excitement to join the, the chiefs. Um, I feel like he's a really smart and savvy individual. I, he, he, he's a very thoughtful guy as well. So I, I enjoyed that to him. He was, he was very pleasant to talk to and I'm, I'm sure given the contract he got that, you know, <laughs> I'd be happy too in that regard. Do you think um, you could pull off the suit, the suit that he wore to his introduction? No, no, I would not look as sharp as, as he did. So a tip of the cap to him on that one. So no, I thought, uh, I thought he did a good job in the press conference that he did. And then I enjoyed getting to chat with him one-on-one, um, after the press conference. So, you know, and, and like, I, you know, I was, I enjoyed being able to hear about some of the, why he fell in love with football, what some of his favorite memories were, the coach that kind of really impacted him and, and stuck with him and, you know, try, tried to do it a little bit differently to where it's not, you know, you don't just rehear a press conference over again. So I kind of, I, I enjoy getting to know him, getting to learn about him a little bit. And um, yeah, it's, you know, I, I look forward to what he can do on the football field. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think, uh, look, I mean, you've got a leadership void with, with Tyron Matthew leaving. Um you know, and Justin Reed's going to have to earn the right to fill that void. But 
we all we've been around the NFL long enough to know that you know when a guy gets you know contracts matter to the players in that locker room they expect the guy who's on the 10 million dollar a year deal to be a leader to to not only in the locker room but also on the field so i think that that's going to be the expectation that he steps in and and um is a leader in that way uh, and i one thing he he seems like he's very even keeled kind of guy. He plays with the plays with an edge, like you said, coming downhill. He'll hit some guys, but he's his personality um, is is pretty calm and even keeled. It seems like, and that's probably not a bad thing for a guy who um, you know is going to have to be facing some of these offenses that are being built up in the AFC West to challenge the Chiefs now. Yeah, no, the AFC West did, um, AFC West and the AFC in general. What's being built with a lot of those playoff teams and expected playoff teams. It's, uh, it's getting serious out there. So, I mean, the margin for error and that room for error, that's uh, growing smaller by, by the day. And so there's, there's going to be a lot of pressure on the chiefs and the way that they build the roster this year to really try to be able to keep a gap between them and the bills, the Bengals, the chargers, the Raiders, the Broncos, unfortunately, three of those teams are in the same division as the chiefs. Right. So somewhat of a problem. I still think, look, I know the Bengals went to the Super Bowl this year. I still think the Bills um, are um, the biggest challenger, the biggest challenge for the Chiefs in the AFC. Um, Now, the dynamic changes a little bit because, like you said, all three AFC West teams have really made a push to get better this year. So just getting through the division and being in a position to host an AFC championship game, do some of the things that the Chiefs have done the last several years, is going to be much more difficult. But I still think when you look at what the Bills have done, um, adding you know O.J. Howard, bringing in Tim Settle and Jordan Phillips at defensive tackle, um, a- an absolutely insane deal for Von Miller, in my opinion, the six-year, $120 million. Um, I mean, it, it's, you know, I think they, they improved by bringing in Roger Saffold and, you know, in place of Darrell Williams on the offensive line. You know, they brought back, um, Isaiah McKenzie, you know, some moves like that. I, I mean, do you feel like have, have the bills, I mean, they've clearly done more than the chiefs so far in free agency. Is it enough that you, you push them over the top and would even say they're the favorite in the AFC right now? I, I think they'll end up being the favorite when it comes time. I think it'll just come down to injuries in that regard. Once it, you know, once it, what happens in preseason training camp, did any injuries happen and things of that nature, but I mean, getting Tim set on Von Miller, that that was big for their defense and their defensive line and the lack of pressure that they've been able to create over the past couple of years. That was a big thing. The other part for the Bills is they got to get better in their offensive run game. Their run game is really not that good. So they needed they needed help on the O-line, especially on the right side. And they in, in my book, they still need a dynamic running back. They don't have that. So right. OJ Howard, like, like, I mean, the reality on OJ Howard is he's not a good blocker and he's not the best pass catcher. So he doesn't he doesn't really move the needle. Because if he did, the Bucks never would have let him go or brought in Rob Gronkowski to basically play over him. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I mean, look, JD McKissick agreed to terms and decided to go back to the commanders instead. So you know how happy I was about that. Oh yeah. No, I know. I saw that. I was like, yeah, go back to Washington. That's good. (laughs) But look in the division, man, like let's just go in reverse order. Um, You know, you had the Broncos who, who were last the division last year. Well, they've got Russell Wilson. They've got Russell Wilson. Now they brought in Randy Gregor. Like you talked about, they added DJ Jones at defensive tackle. You know, they already had some good weapons at wide receiver and running back in there. You know, haven't haven't done a whole lot to address the offensive line at, at this point, I don't think. Um, you know, I mean they I mean they did bring in like you know Tom Compton and and, and Calvin Anderson and, and Ben Braden and some guys like that on, on one year deals. So they're adding some some depth and they'll have some some pieces to play around with, but they haven't invested a lot there. Um and then you look at what the Chargers have done. They re-signed Mike Williams. They trade for Khalil Mack. They signed J.C. Jackson. They signed Sebastian Joseph Day. You know, they signed Chase Daniel, uh, or re-signed Chase Daniel. Um, and then the Raiders, they they swing a – yeah, no. You literally uh, brought in Chase Daniels. Yeah, no, I had to throw that in there. I want people to still know he's in the league for, like, the 14th year or whatever. And then the Raiders, I mean, blockbuster trade to, to land Devontae Adams. They signed Chandler Jones. 
you know, they then flipped Yannick Ngakwe to get Rocky Asin, the, the cornerback, uh, out of Temple, who played with the Colts the last few years. Um, I mean, don't that that move right there. That's the one that kind of popped in my head when it happened, and I'm like, a, uh, I'm like, okay, so then why couldn't the Chiefs have thrown Frank? You know, gotten Frank Clark and traded him for that? Was it the cap? Other contract that wouldn't have done that because Ndakwe is not a very good pass rusher. Yeah. So I kind of wonder if like they, they convince themselves, oh, we can do better with him. Because I'm like, man, if there was a if there was somebody to trade, like to get something of value from Frank, like Frank Clark may have been the guy to kind of do that with with Rocky Sin to where you get a corner for yeah. for Frank. That would have been that would have been one I, I kind of down the road here. I would be intrigued to hear how maybe that didn't happen if he was if they didn't feel he's a fit or what may end up happening in that regard. Yeah. I mean, in your mind though, I mean, look, I mean, I think the gap was closing, right? I mean, the Raiders made the playoffs last year. Um, everybody, everybody's I mean, look, the chargers are going to win another uh, off season AFC West title. Um, you can just book that right now after bringing in Cleo Mack, JC Jackson and, and being in and, and Sebastian Joseph day and being able to keep Mike Williams, you know, and keeping that continuity in the quarterback room with chase Daniel. Uh, everybody, you know, Justin Herbert, everybody loves him. Um, so they're going to, I mean, they're going to be the trendy pick to, to end the chiefs dynasty. Um, you know, right. I mean, that's predictable. Um, but do you think that any of these teams have surpassed the chiefs at this point? I mean, granted there's, there's more to come. There's still the draft, but right now, I don't think the chiefs would be the favorite in the AFC West. Do you No, the chiefs won't be the favorite among media members and yeah, they, or Vegas. I don't think they will be the betting favorite. No, not for Vegas either. So, I mean, yeah, no, this is the year where people are going to, people are going to count the chiefs out and they're going to start, you know, they're really going to start trying to bury the chiefs because of what the AFC West done in general. So yeah, this is, this is the year where expectations from people outside of Kansas city, they're going to be low for the chiefs like that. That's, that's just the reality. What's going to happen now. Would you have traded a first and a second for Devontae, or is that too much to give up? No, I wouldn't have traded that for him. They already got Tyreek Hill. I'm not not trading not trading that for Devontae Adams. Yeah. I mean, the Chiefs have four picks in the top 103 after getting the comp pick for Ryan Poles um, earlier this week. They they also got a seventh. They missed out on a second seventh um, because Tano Passanio was the 33rd best uh, or 33rd most, you know, biggest contract, I think, or whatever that um, was doled out. And, uh, and the CBA only allows them to give 32 comp picks. So they missed out on one there, but I, I don't think pick 267 is going to be the difference between, you know, between not with that attitude. Going back to his I'm glad you're not game. in the chief's front office because that type of attitude can't happen around there. All right. So we've, we've got a restaurant concept built around this slim Pickens thing. So I, I want to play a game with you. Um, but, Hi, welcome to Slim Pickens. <laughs> right. How can and, I help you? NFL free agency style. Look, I mean, there's not. We have a special. Um, I don't know if you've heard about it. It's a half-eaten crispy crown. Um, would you like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Leftover blooming onion. You know, like it's a uh, it's a it's a day old. Um, yeah, I'm not it, gonna lie. To it's you. mostly it's the crunchy heated. pieces that fell off the onion. Um, so, all right. I, I got to ask, like, Taron Armstead's still out there. Is Can you envision a world in which the Chiefs sign Taron Armstead and then try to uh, flip Orlando Brown for some, for some draft capital or something like that? I mean, don't get me wrong. That's my personal dream, but uh, <laughs> I, don't, uh, I, don't think, I don't see it happening. I'm sure Orlando Brown will get a long-term deal and then – Fans will be upset about that in three years and wondering how they can get out of it. And, and then they'll be yelling at you. Like, why didn't you tell us that Orlando Brown was a bad fit and was, uh, may not be athletic enough to stick at left tackle, Nick <laughs> par for the course story of my life. Like, so no, I, I, I think, can't I think he handle the speed rush, Nick. <laughs> I, I think Armstead's going to end up back with the saints, especially if Deshaun Watson ends up there. Like that's, I, I personally think it's what Armstead's waiting on, but we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe somebody will surprise me, you know? Who knows? Yeah. I mean, it. like I said, that things get pretty, pretty slim pickings there after that. Um, yeah. Can I interest you in a Steph Gilmore uh, or a Bobby Wagner or a Tyron Matthew? I mean, like, you know, I, there's not a lot left there, but I do want to throw a couple names at you. So Fletcher Cox gets released, uh, you know, 
in a cat move. Um, I think Fletcher Cox paired with 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 Chris Jones would be a pretty lethal uh, pass rush combination up the gut. Can I interest you in a Fletcher Cox? What's it going to take for for me to get for for you to put Fletcher Cox in a red uniform today? Vet minimum. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's going to take vet minimum. I think he'll end up. Wouldn't stun me if he didn't end up back with the Eagles, but I I just don't think the Chiefs are going to be able to. I mean, and part of it is Fletcher. If I remember correctly, I think he used to be a three tech for the most part because him and him Argo of how they used them kind of weird at times. Um, but I, I, I think I uh, I mean I I wouldn't be against Fletcher, but part of the problem is the Chiefs typically. If they do, if they do sign players that are above the age of thirty, it's only for like a one-year deal, maybe a two. If they need to space out a little bit of the cap hit for the one year, but it, it you know, they they typically try to stray away from players that are in that twenty-nine to thirty-year-old range. That's kind of something that they don't they don't really value as much. Like so, that's why it's you know. All right, let's go to your next one because I don't want to say any names that you may be picking. Uh, Cole Beasley offered them. Cole Beasley cutting by the Buffalo Bills. He's got minimal in us. He's go ahead. Your Cedric Wilson dream died. Um, yeah, it's so. definitely dead. Um, I mean, he he doesn't have a lot of speed left. He's he can reliably catch over the middle, but if I'm choosing between you know Jarvis Landry and Cole Beasley, I take Landry instead. Um, Landry how about, Ju- able- how about Juju? Yes, I would definitely take Juju because he he fits in that realm at 25 years old. Um, can go physical over the middle and do a good job with that. So yeah, like Juju's like the number one that like you know I'm still holding out hope for, but um, we'll see if it ends up happening. And uh, you know if it if it doesn't, that'll be par for the course at this point. Right. So, all right. So if you if would you rank him Juju Jarvis Cole Beasley if you had to pick one of those guys? Yeah, it would it would probably be in that order right now. Although. Uh, about uh, as Scantlin, I, I was gonna say, I where actually, do you slide? Val- That's who I was just gonna ask about. Where I do you gonna, slide? I would Mar- actually Marquez, put, Scantlin. I would put him behind Jarvis, but only like I mean, Scantlin gives you the youth and the speed, but I wouldn't want him over Juju Smith Schuster. But Landry, Landry can catch better, and he's got a better mentality and toughness to him. Um, but Scantling can kind of stretch the field if you need him to, but he body catches so much. It just irritates me. And that's part of the reason he's on the market now. So, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I'm not against adding any of those guys. Cause I want to at least feel like they added something to receiver to help out. I mean, Odell Beckham jr. Still out there too, but the problem with him is I, I don't think you can count on him making an impact. Certainly the first half of the season, maybe the entire season next year. So yeah, the earliest you're expecting him is like Thanksgiving. Yeah, so that doesn't do a lot. I mean, you know, and you know, like I said, if 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 you come out of the gate, you struggle and you lose some some division games, stuff like that. I mean, you may you may you may play yourself out of the the playoff race by you know by November. I guess with seven teams, like nobody's ever that far out of it by 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 Thanksgiving. But um, you may put yourself in a real bind. AFC West is going to get all their teams in the playoffs next year. Somehow, yeah, no. it could be crazy. I mean. Um, all right. Uh, how about Jadavia? Like, let, let, so looking at defensive end and, and guys that are possibilities there, Jadavian Clowney, former number one overall pick. He had nine sacks in 14 games last year. Um, you know, Daniil Hunter may be a guy that that's available um, in a trade scenario. Either one of those guys worth the investment right now? Jadavian's not anymore. He's a shell of his former self. Like there's not a lot left in the tank athletically for him. The drop he's had in the past two years, boy, it, it pops up on tape to where you're like, whoa, okay, all right, well, that's that's not good. Um, and then, so he's he's a. W- would it be like, you know, Frank Clark, similar situation where, you know, I mean, he just kind of fell off a cliff the last couple of years. Yes. Um, yeah. From where he was with the Texans, he's really fallen off since then, but he also had stops with the Titans, the Seahawks and the Browns in that time. So he's been, and and that's why he can't keep sticking anymore because he just, he's an, he was always an inconsistent player coming out. And that's what I heard, uh, coming out of South Carolina. It's how inconsistent he was and how he wouldn't practice, you know, a lot of days when scouts would go there and like, they just, you know, he wouldn't, he would sit out for the day and like, you know, scouts, uh, came down to see him. <laughs> so, you yeah. know, we're exactly had to, I had to find some other prospects to uh, scout that day there. We're in the, in the near area. Um, 
but part of it, part of it is, yeah, he's fallen off in that end. So that, but Daniel Hunter, I mean, look, he's missed like 26 to 30 some games because of the herniated disc in his neck. And then also the torn pack. But I mean, if that guy, if that guy's healthy, like that guy has some, he's a solid, he's a, he's got a unique pass rush to him that if healthy, I, I would be all for, but I mean, the chiefs are going to need cap room. Like, I don't want them to trade anybody. You're just kind of hoping Hunter gets released and you can kind of get him for kind of a quality incentive type of deal or something of that nature. But I know he was asking the Vikings for a, a, a really big contract. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, given what he's proven on the field recently, it doesn't warrant it. So I, I don't know. I think teams would shy away from him for a while. If he's still wanting that big of a contract that he supposedly did last year. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, everybody in this situation is going to be flawed. I mean, Eric Fisher is another name we we know. Like, if you're looking to um, solidify the, the right tackle spot, um, you know, you've got Andrew Wiley back as depth. You don't know. Uh, I mean, they probably know, but I, we don't know um, what. It wouldn't um, stun me if Wiley started a right tackle next year. Right. That's what I'm saying. I mean, so if you're going into this the season and and um. You know, I mean, you're you're starting right tackles hurt. Mike Rimmers got the back. You know, I mean, I, I don't I don't see him coming back. Wiley, he played well, but I don't I don't know that you want him to be your long term solution at right tackle. So, um, Eric Fisher still on your radar as a guy to bring back maybe to uh, at right tackle. Um, I mean, if you're doing somewhere around again, if you're doing something around that minimum, kind of below two million a year type of thing. I mean, I'm I'm not against it. I don't. I think he'll end up somewhere else at this point because once they brought back Wiley, I just, I feel like they're going to kind of, I personally feel like they're going to kind of ride that out and Wiley, if they can get somebody in the meet, you know, if they get somebody for cheap to kind of compete at that spot, that's fine. I know they got Roderick Johnson. Um, that's on a, he was on the practice squad. I don't know if he's formally on a futures deal or how, how they reverted on that one, but he, he's a guy that can actually, I think he's a better guard than he is tackle, but they may see him as kind of that guard tackle thing. So they may think that they have two tackles on that end, but then they may see what ends up happening in the draft. Cause I mean, the reality is with Niang with the torn, uh, with, with the tear in his, yeah. With the tear that he's got in his patellar tendon, like that, you don't know if he, you don't even know if he's going to be back by Christmas. Like you just don't know that. Cause that injury can take up to a year. And to be who they were before, you know, like there's a difference between being on a field and being who you were before type of thing. Like for me, whenever I had, you know, and this, I, I know it's not football related, but whenever I broke my wrist and had wrist surgery, like still to this day, my wrist isn't the same. Like it's tough for my left wrist to open up a pickle jar. That may seem weird and I could do it without a problem, but I, my wrist doesn't have the same torque that it did before. And I know that because we had to measure it one time uh, during my during uh, during some of my physical therapy sessions to see what type of improvement I had versus what I didn't. But you know, like I'm just telling you, like I mean, some things just they just you know, for me, I'm I'm gonna feel like less of a man opening a pickle jar with my left hand, you know, or attempting to. That's just that's just gonna be the story of my life on that one. I'm just gonna next Christmas. I'm just buying you like pickle jars that I've tightened overly, and I'm just gonna be like. I'm going to be like, you're not a man. And I'm just going to set it there to taunt you at your desk. <laughs> It'll probably work. <laughs> if you give me a hug, I will remove the pickle jar. No, I really thought we were going to, were going to get through a podcast without you. Oh no, I was never going to do that. Would you hug me if they signed Leonard Fournette? Nope. I mean, like, like I said, I mean, this is what, this is kind of what it's down to though. Um, you know, like you said, I mean, I think at this point, unless there's a trade out there, and if you listen to last week's podcast, um, you know, my dream scenario was, was a training noted for the free agency with involved the trade. Um, and DK Metcalf hasn't been traded to anybody else yet. So it's still possible, Nick, I'm going to live with that dream for a while longer, like you did with Cedric Wilson, um, and Mike Williams. Um, but, uh, I mean, yeah, but I crashed hard from those dreams. Right. right. Well, I think my time's coming. Um, <laughs> but I mean, who, what do you do if now if you're the Chiefs? Because you've still got those holes at DN wide receiver and D tackle that we've talked about. I mean, those didn't just magically go away in the last week, but you haven't addressed them uh, yet either. So, so what do you do now? I mean, are you just banking on the draft? 
I mean, that, that may be the strategy that they end up having to take if they don't create cap room and get, apparently get some value deals at this point that they feel comfortable with. Um, or they're gonna, or they're gonna have to trade away some draft capital, or trade away some players to get draft capital to go get some younger players to add long term to this roster. So you know, and like there's, you know, they're good long term. They're going to have to shed some cat, uh, some of their bigger contracts. Like that's going to have to happen, whether that's through a trade while they still have value, or um, through releasing them in you know the year or two ahead. Like some of those contracts are starting to catch up with them now. That's that's with what they're having to pay Patrick Mahomes. Is that's just going to be the case? And like so, they're going to have to. And some of the roster, you know, decision or draft decisions they made and didn't pan out on the roster. Like that that caught up to them last year, and it's going to catch up to them some this year. So like they've given themselves such little margin for error to where they have to hit on the draft similar to what they did with Bolton and with Trey Smith and with Creed and those guys, like they, they have to hit in the same way to at least get four contributors, if not four starters out of it. And that's not really, you know, that's not always realistic in the draft. So that may be certainly not right away. I mean, yeah, but I mean, so, you know, like, cause I mean, Bolton was a contributor and somewhat of a starter until, you know, depending on the week and the snap count and what they were going against, Trey Smith was a almost a Pro Bowl starter and should have been a Pro Bowl starter. Like Creed Humphrey, in my opinion, was a Pro Bowl starter. You know, and like th- that's just very rare to find that in one draft class. And so to think that the Chiefs are going to duplicate that again, I think, is setting yourself up for uh, failure in terms of dreaming big. But hey, you know, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're able to do it. And uh, lightning strikes twice in that regard. But yeah, now you're putting a lot of pressure on the draft to be able to get that type of stuff done. So it'll be interesting. I'm interested to see like what they do in the next week or two, but um, yeah, definitely. I will say early next week, I'm, I'm on to the draft personally at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it'll be, I, I still, I still think that anytime you've got Patrick Mahomes, you're, you're, you're going to have a chance to be a playoff team. You're going to have a chance to compete, but I love, I, I love what the chargers did this year. Um, you know, I mean, you've got two more years of Justin Herbert on a rookie deal. You've got two more years to realistically try to max that out. And, and, you know, they saw what the Rams did. The Rams went all in right on a, on a lot of stuff this year. And I think the chargers are, 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 you know, charting a similar course. (laughs) And if I'm a chargers fan, uh, you know, one of the, one of the 12 chargers fans in existence, I'm thrilled with what they're doing, man. I mean, that's great. Um, you know, and especially after the Rams won a Super Bowl that, you know, uh, you know, thousands of people, literally thousands of people showed up to celebrate in the streets of Los Angeles. Um, you know, they've got to do something to, to make some noise. Um, you know, I mean, Josh McDaniels clearly signaled that he wants to be a player in this division too. Um, and, and I mean, you know, the, the Broncos may not have an owner, but you know, they got a quarterback, which is arguably more important anyway, um, in the grand scheme of things. Um, um, at least in terms of certainly winning on the field, I, it's, I don't want to say that, that the chiefs are, are behind the eight ball here, but, but I mean, I, they, they, they kind of are, is this just a situation where they may have to take their medicine this year, hope they can limp through, um, hope that Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are, are brilliant enough together that it works out. Um, and you know, or, or do you think that they will, by the time training camp hits, um, be one of the top three or four teams in the league, uh, in the AFC and be one of the, t- you know, one of the legitimate Super Bowl contenders again? Um, I, I honestly, I, I have no idea. And, and the reason I say that is because like, I, I at least want to see what they do in the draft and if they get what they, what they need, um, to be able to kind of help fill the impacts that they need on this roster and what trade maybe around the corner that I don't know about right now in terms of, you know, maybe there's some player that they've got their eye on that they they're going to make a move for. I don't know. And so that's why I'm waiting to reserve judgment in that regard and not really try to overreact at this time of the year in March. But I, I mean, the intensity that other NFL teams have shown in the AFC and and knowing where their weaknesses were and going after that and being aggressive and, and, you know, putting all their chips in like they're on the movie rounders at the table um, and, and really trying to stake their claim in there. What's really going to be awkward though, 
is the fact that the NFL draft is going to be in Las Vegas and the Raiders won't have a first or second round pick <laughs> yeah. for that night for the draft. I mean, they'll be happy as they got Devontae Adams, but you know, that's uh that's gonna be it's gonna be interesting in that in, in that aspect of it. But no, I mean all uh yeah, I, I mean the Bills they attacked what they needed to. And like I said, each one of those teams attacked a lot of what they needed to. What would be the smart play for the Chargers is now that they've got what they did on defense, unless there's pieces that they desperately feel they need to fix, they should honestly start taking this draft to kind of fill behind some of those spots for two years down the road. So when they have to give Herbert his big contract, they've already got their next corner to replace, you know, maybe JC Jackson, or they've got the next edge rusher to replace Khalil Mack, or they've got the right tackle that they need, or, you know, a a receiver who can replace Keenan Allen. Like that's, that's what the good teams do while they still have the opportunity is they're, they're, they're building behind where their strengths are and keeping those as strengths while they try to also, you know, build, you know, add, reduce their deficiencies and their weaknesses on the roster. Well, we know Brendan Staley is going to go for it in the fourth round. I mean, he has shown that consistently. Um, look, I, I, uh, I get the fan frustration. Um, I, I understand the moves that the chiefs have made. Um, I would have loved to, for the chiefs to already have a pass rusher, um, in house that we could talk about, you know, Hey, you know, how's this guy going to be transformative or, or whatever. It'd be great if they'd already signed another receiver. Um, but you know, the, you know, the Patrick Mahomes restructure may still happen. The interesting one now to me though, is Tyree kill. And I want to leave, you know, I want to leave on this. Cause you know, we kind of touched on, you know, I mean, Hey, maybe you, you know, if you like Taron Armstead better than you like Orlando Brown, maybe you go ahead and spend the money there and, and you try to get some more draft capital um, for Orlando Brown. See if you can't flip him for a first and a third, like you did last year, whatever to a team that needs a tackle. Um, but it's the Tyree kill situation. Okay. And, and it sounds a little crazy because we've, we've been talking. If you, if you go back and listen to the podcast, the previous podcast, we've been talking all off season, how the chiefs need to get another weapon to go with Tyree kill and Travis Kelsey, or this offense could remain, you know, kind of stuck in neutral, um, you know, and they haven't done that yet, but with what's happened in the wide receiver market, um, what do you see happening with Tyreek Hill? Because, and, and I tweeted this out earlier today. So Devonte Adams gets traded. He immediately signs like a, a five-year deal worth, you know, 28, 29 he, million. He, per year. he agreed to terms. Yeah. Right. But, but I mean, he's going to get 28 to 29 million per year. That's going to reset the top end of the wide receiver market. And, and Tyreek's not going to get more than that. But now he's going to get close to that. The Jacksonville Jaguars also kind of didn't do any but any other GM in the league a favor when they signed Christian Kirk to a deal, you know, with an average annual value of 18 million a year or whatever it was um, over four years. So now you've got this market where if Christian Kirk's worth 18 million dollars a year and and Devontae Adams is worth 28 or 29. Tyreek's probably the market says Tyreek's worth at least 25 million a year. Right. Which, and, and look, for those who don't understand how this works, Tyreek's under contract for next year and it's for 20 for, for 2022. Yes. Yeah. For 2022, he's under contract already. So he's not a free agent. There is no rush for him to restructure or extend that deal. They can do that at any point between now and start a free agency next year. So if you're Tyreek Hill's agent, there's no way that I'm going to sign an extension before I know what the market's going to be. Because a week ago, I would have said 20 to $22 million a year would have been a good deal for Tyreek Hill. Now, if I'm Tyreek Hill, the floor is four million four years one hundred million? It's gone up to twenty five million because of what's happened this week in free agency. Is it if the Chiefs have to go four years twenty five or four years one hundred million, four years one hundred ten million? Does that price them out of extending Tyreek Hill? And do you have to then think about maybe we flip him like the Packers did Green Bay and and we use 
you know, and, and you, you signed Juju. Now you've got two first round picks, maybe three. If you also flip, you know, Orlando Brown and, and you start going through this, cause it's supposed to be a really deep wide receiver class. And like I said, I know it sounds crazy to, you know, to think you're going to give up, you know, your most productive guy. I mean, you set a franchise record with 111 receptions that year, but I almost feel like if I'm the chiefs, you have to consider it. It's certainly discussions that they, they're probably going to have to have internally and kind of decide if that's the road they want to go down, if they're going to have to reinvent themselves and kind of start shedding some of those bigger contracts that are on the books right now. Um, but if you do that and you, you do it with draft picks, the, the thing that has to happen is, one, you have to hit on those, and two, yeah. your coaching staff has to develop them. And so, and, and part of it is if you're, looking, if you're looking down the road for next year and the following year, they got, you know, 20, 22, 23 guys under contract uh, at, at this time. I know some have agreed not formally signed, so I'm not really counting them yet. So you have less than 25 guys that are probably technically under contract for 2023. And then if I remember correctly, it's down to 12 for 2024, the following season. So you couldn't field a uh, offense and defense two years from now, right now with what, with what you've got. And I know next year, it's as of now, it's down to, 54 million in cap space when it was over 60, it's either over 60 or 68 beforehand, whenever they, whenever the uh, season started, but Adam Reed and some of the other stuff has dropped it down to 54. So that's where the chiefs kind of have to start deciding, okay, we we're going to, at some point they're going to need more cheaper, cheaper talent. And they're going to need more draft picks to be able to build this roster and do it in a cost efficient way. So that, and, and then the question they have to also ask themselves with Tyree kill. I mean, look, Tyree kills a, a massive part of this offense and he's what helps make it go. Travis Kelsey does. And like, both, if they're going to future guys in the ring of honor, I think already. Yeah. And, and, and now the question the Chiefs have is, can we add another weapon that's a veteran to help them and then add a potential guy to replace Tyreek Hill long-term as a draft pick so they can start planning for the future in that regard? And that, that's what they've got to decide and entertain because for the most part, whenever they do this Tyreek Hill contract, depending if they do a four- or five-year extension, it's going to be for like two years. Like, you know, the real money is going to be in two years, maybe three, but you're using year four and five and maybe even year three to kind of space out that cap with what free agency's done. Guys haven't been signing more than three year deals because some of that new TV money and everything's going to kick in. Right. They're, expe- like they're you're expecting the cap to go up substantially the next few years. So. so that's why I think that's why that's been happening with free agency to where I think they're all kind of projecting. That's when the cap's really going to jump and that's when the market's going to jump. So they're trying to, they're trying to flood the market with players to be able to kind of, you know, um, to be able to get max value for all their clients and put them out there for another opportunity before they hit 30 to make big money again. So I think that's part of that strategy. So in that regard, I mean, cause a normally five-year contract lets you evenly space stuff out. And the, that's, that's where I'm, I'm kind of interested if Hill does resign what that number will be. And if it's a four-year extension, if it's a five-year extension, or how they end up approaching that and what those cap numbers would be for him. Because the other part of it is he's got he's had that heel injury multiple years now. So say you do give him near Devontae Adams money, if that turns in, you know, if 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 he starts to have some wear and tear, like, you know, then people are gonna be upset about that contract in a couple of years. And you, you hope that doesn't happen. I'm not trying to speak it in existence, but those are the things they're having to think about when they're going and getting ready to pay somebody that money of that magnitude but if they don't get another receiver that's a veteran they back themselves into a corner to where maybe you know they they have to do that for for Tyreek you know for Tyreek yeah. because that's how important they're making him to the offense I mean so I, it's I quite think, quite a conundrum Todd I, quite I, a think, conundrum. I think clearly right now it's insane to talk about trading him unless you know you know who you're going to replace it with that was my argument with you know like K-State and Bruce Weber and Missouri and Conzo Martin. Have they underperformed? Do you wish the teams had been better? Yeah. But unless you have a concrete plan for who's coming in, why they're going to be better, how you're going to attack, in a, you know, name, limit, image, likeness, all that kind of stuff, unless you have an idea of, of, of what you're doing there, you know, to, it's a little bit like rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. Like, if you don't have a plan for how to replace Tyreek Hill, um, then I don't see how you can entertain that. But at the same time, 
with, you know, with the cap situation. And, and like you said, not just this year, but, but down the road, um, I, you know, I, I don't know that a, a four, you know, a five year, $140 million, $130, 140000000 million contract is ideal for the chiefs either. So. Yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting situation to kind of monitor over here over the weeks ahead. Like that's that's the impact one trade had, you know, with Devontae Adams, one trade like that and a contract. That's the impact it had. I mean, it was something that a lot of people weren't discussing. I know a couple of people were, um, but you know, like that's that's you know that's what the impact has, and that's the economics of everything and how teams have to weigh those things. And you, and when you're trading a player. A lot of the times, the question when you're getting ready to trade them, especially a marquee player, you know, uh, is what do, how much longer they have left of health? Is that going to match the production they've given you? And if it does, how long do you project it's going to do that before you have to hit the escape hatch and be able to get out of the contract? So that's kind of what each team has to weigh at times. And that's what the Seahawks weighed when they traded Frank Clark away because he had the, uh, issues with the owner the owner issues that he had and they franchise tagged him and they got the chiefs to trade, you know, the chiefs traded for him and they got the chiefs to do that. And then the chiefs, you know, were left holding the bag with a hundred million dollars and it's still four years later. And, you know, they're still dealing with that contract and not getting the production that they, that they essentially kind of wanted. So it's, you know, those, those decisions have ramifications for a while and, you know, for the Seahawks, they, they had, I don't know if they've necessarily been able to replace the pass rush that they lost, not just with him, but just collectively with what they had up there. Yeah. All right. I got nothing else. Um, next week, um, I figure we will uh, talk about how the Browns went from, uh, you know, being a trendy Super Bowl pick to um, being a dumpster fire all over again. And we will go line for line and dissect. Um, Baker Mayfield's farewell message, farewell message on Twitter to Browns fans um, and what that means. Um, last thing I'll say, these are my final thoughts for this evening. Um, no matter who the Chiefs bring in on this roster, no matter what their skill set is, I want people who are hungry. I want people that have a different mentality than what they've had on this roster. I want guys that are going to be relentless about what they're going after in their pursuit for excellence and that they're not going to cut corners and that they are going to go out there and be and give the Chiefs the most competitive roster that they possibly have. And I need that mentality and that mental toughness and everything of that nature. I need to see that throughout this entire roster. And I feel like at times that didn't happen last year. And part of that's why they lost to Cincinnati and why they had some of the other issues that they did throughout the season. So for me personally, I need to see a different type of hunger from the guys that they bring in and that that can kind of help this roster go to a new level, evolve and kind of get a new mentality about them and have a little bit, cause they're going to need it because everybody's coming hard at them and they need people that are going to be mentally tough. They need people that are going to be able to battle through it and fight through it and have a relentlessness about them because the whole AFC West is coming for you now. They're tired of watching you win. They don't want to see you ever win again. They want to come in your house and they want to stomp you around. Then they want to take a victory lap with the bus around the stadium. So the thing that has to happen here, whether it's in the draft or in free agency, if you want to go out there and keep taking people to church, then you're going to have to go. You're going to have to do something you haven't done before. And you're going to have to be able to develop a lot of the guys who may not be expensive players that have already been drafted and been on the roster for quite some time. So that's where the biggest challenge is going to be in my opinion. And they're going to have to fill out the roster with some complimentary guys and free agency at this point, if they're going to have a lot of cap space. So they have a massive challenge ahead of them. Front office certainly does. And you know, they like, this is a defining year for the Kansas city chiefs and what they will or won't be. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I, I think back to, to, like Tom Brady's career. And of course that's what every quarterback in the NFL aspires to. And, you know, if you're Patrick Mahomes, certainly I don't think, you know, I, I don't know that you're ever going to be able to get to seven, but certainly, you know, seven or eight, but certainly that's what you're going to, you're going to target. You got to, it, it even, it even took the Patriots dynasty. When you think about it, you know, there was a decade there where they didn't win a title where they were having to figure some of this stuff out. Right. I mean, and they, you know, there was the year they were undefeated and the giants upset them. And they, they probably should have had a title in there that year. They had Randy Moss and, and everything, but um, it's not easy to, to win and to sustain excellence in the NFL. I, I think the chiefs 
Uh, I think you had to give them the benefit of the doubt to a degree because I think you've seen sustained excellence from Andy Reid, you know, and and you've seen it when they've they've hosted the FC Championship game four straight years and been to the Super Bowl two of those four years, uh, and and the other two times, by the way, they lost in overtime. So literally in the last four years. You have to go to extra time in the AFC championship game in Arrowhead to prevent the chiefs from, from going to the Super Bowl or they go to the Super Bowl. So they they've got a track record that I think you can have faith in and you can believe in. Uh, but, um, that light, that free agency light at the end of the tunnel doesn't look quite like it did a week ago. And so if you're, if you're frustrated, if you're, if you're you know, as a chiefs fan, I get it, I get it. But I also, you know, like you said, Let's see what this team looks like come July, um, you know, and then move it into September and October before hitting the panic button full on, right? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how things go. I'm a, I've learned to be a patient man in life. Okay, Todd, right. in this on-demand world, that's not what a lot of people want to be. They don't have that patience, but I am a, I, I'm, I'm going to do my best to, to, you know, not eat significantly in a Wendy's parking lot on a regular basis. I was going to say, thanks for spending the last hour and a half uh, in the Wendy's parking lot with me. And, uh, and we'll talk again next week. Oh, I think they're wanting me to leave. <laughs> yeah. I bid you do. I bid you do. <laughs> All right. Take care, kids.